now that we're back from the twilight zone, we'll go f <laughs> go forward. <coughs> Happy Father's Day. Hello. Hello. I almost forgot that. That's how I would start. <coughs> I'll just start with a little uh, reading here. One day, three boys, Bart, Bradley, and Chuck, were on the school bus. And Bart started the time-honored game of my dad is better than your dad. Bart said, my dad's way, way faster than any of yours. He can throw a 120-mile-per-hour fastball from the mound, pick up his bat, and hit a home run. Buddy, the second boy, said, oh, yeah, well, my dad can fire a shell from Magnum, run to the target, and hold it up to make sure the bullet hits the bullseye. The last boy, Chuck, said, your dads don't even come close to being faster than mine. My dad is, at, is a 10th grade teacher, and even though he works every day until 4 o'clock, he still gets home at 3.30. Now, I'm sure most of you can think of this. I, I, I'm sure that girls think the same way. But I can remember actually sitting down with some of my friends and having a talk like that. Talking about my dad has bigger biceps than your dad. My dad works harder than your dad. I think all of us at one time or another have thought about our dads like that, that they could do anything. They knew everything and they could do anything. That's how you feel when you're young. But eventually, what happens? <laughs> well, that happens too. But that, what happens is that kids grow up and they begin to realize that dads can make mistakes as well and that dad don't, doesn't know everything. But I've noticed one thing. They still trust their dad. They still ask their dad for advice. They still ask their dad to help them out when things get tough. <coughs> and so, we don't always succeed as being a dad. But one of the things I really want to talk to you today about is that it's very important for you as a dad to teach your kids that you want to walk in the, tr in the truth. You want, to, you want to know the truth. And that you try to live the truth every day of your life. And that you try to share the truth with them. And so as Christians, I think we all understand how we know truth. In John uh, chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we, I read that verse a lot. I know I do. I share it a lot. Uh, of course, I don't share as much as I used to. I'm kind of green at this. I haven't preached for a while other than funerals. And so, you know what? This hasn't this all come together for me. It's been kind of nerve-wracking for me. The old routine was gone that I was used to. And so I'm getting an opportunity here to preach. But I really think this is important for us to get a hold of this. As men, as fathers, we need to walk in the truth. We need to teach the truth, we need to believe in the truth, we need to love the truth, 
uh, if there's anything that we can teach our kids, it's to be involved in the truth, to always tell the truth, and to always walk in the way that we should. And so truth is something that begins with the promises of God. And so fathers, you need to be careful about what you promise, what you tell your kids. The Hebrews took the idea of a a promise or word spoken very critical to the Hebrew nation and to the Hebrew people. Sometimes when you think about the idea of how people think, there, there are two ways to think about it. You have Hebrew thinking and you have Greek thinking. Greeks are more intellectual. They go that route. Hebrew people, their thinking, if you look at really the basis of their teaching, was very fundamental. It's black and white. It's truth or not truth. It it wasn't any of this philosophical stuff that we hear nowadays about truth. Nowadays, people say, well, is there truth? Is there any absolute truth that we can depend on at all? And I'm saying as Christian fathers, you need to realize that there is absolute truth. It rests in Jesus Christ. So everything that we say, everything that we do needs to be related to that absolute, the teachings of Jesus. And of course, we don't all do that. We can't all do that all the time. We're going we're gonna to fail at that from one time or another. But that should be our ultimate goal, is to be like Christ, to teach things the way he taught it. And to understand that we need to think in terms of, I believe, more than we do, black and white. There's right and there's wrong. And there's words that we need to speak that are right. So when we fail to speak the truth, and as fathers, we need to ask for forgiveness. That's something that uh, dads don't always do. (laughs) I, I don't remember my dad ever asking me to forgive him for anything that he did. But I do know that my dad had some pretty strong opinions about what was right and what was wrong. And I know that he didn't always do what was right. And I know we don't either. But for the Hebrews, words were critical. In the Old Testament, in Judges, there's a man named Jephthah. And we're going to turn over to Judges chapter 11. And uh, we want to look at verse 30. Got the wrong book. (laughs) There we go. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. The Lord did deliver Ammon into his hand. And so when he returned, in, in Judges 11, verse 34, it says, When Jephthah came to his house in Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing, and she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass, when he saw her, that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me, for I have given my word to the Lord. I cannot go back on it. I think you know the rest of the story. 
his daughter was sacrificed for the Lord. Now, that's pretty drastic, isn't it? But that shows you how high of a of, of respect they had for their word. The honor that went with their word. And so oftentimes as fathers, we say stuff, you know, well, we'll go fishing or we're going to go do this or we're going to do that. And then sometimes we just don't do it. I heard a story one time about a father who understood this principle of your word being your bond. He told his child if they didn't straighten up, he was going to throw them out the kitchen window. Okay, so what do you suppose happened? Now, most of us would think, okay, well, that's an overstatement. That's not going to happen, right? Well, what he had done is he checked, and there was a snowdrift outside the window, and his child did something that they weren't supposed to. He just picked them up and threw them right out the window. Okay, what lesson did that teach that child? What I say is going to happen. And so far too often, we don't take what we say seriously. There's great power in words. Turn over to Genesis chapter 27. We see the, the uh, kind of the last discussion with Je uh, Jacob and, and Esau. Jacob had so stolen his birthright. Now he's going to steal his blessing from Esau. And we, we turn over here in verse 30. It says, now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, that Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father. Then Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. And Esau wept and asked, Well, isn't there a blessing for me? And he gave him a blessing, but it wasn't the blessing that he would have received. And see, do you see this? It was spoken. It was done. The promise had been made. He couldn't withdraw it. Now, these are drastic examples of what we're trying to talk about here. We don't make promises like that too much. I don't know if any of you have ever uh, would have sacrificed your daughter or son. But we make promises, and we need to keep those promises. And our word is very important. This idea of blessing. Are you a blessing to your children? Do you, do you encourage your children? Are you trying to get them to see their value before the Lord? Now, as we turn over to the New Testament, we can see that the New Testament reinforces this. In, in James uh, chapter 5, verse 12, it says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into, tem into judgment. Your yes, yes, and your no, no. And so sometimes we do this, if you're like me. We, we, we say we're going to do something and we kind of hesitate to do it. And eventually we kind of forgot we said we were going to do it. So I'm encouraging you, don't do that. 
<laughs> with your children. It's very important for us to bless them. Your words impact how they think about their life. And it's very important to have affirming words from a father. When they don't receive that, then I think it has a big impact on how they're going to live. <clears throat> See, you don't have to pinky swear every time you make a promise. It's good enough that you made the promise, that you said you was going to do it, and so you proceed to do it. The other thing that's very important is standing by a no just as much as a yes. When you tell your child no, then you need to stand by that. And you need them to understand that that's the way it's going to be. Well, it's not fair, Dad. That's not right. You're not thinking about what I really want. You don't know how important this is to me. But you need to realize that you're the dad. You're the dad. You have a responsibility. <coughs> Your responsibility is to raise that child and show them the way that they need to go. <coughs> you need to be a loving father. You need to think about what they need, not what they want. Too much today, it seems to me, that people are more concerned about what a child wants as opposed to what they need. There's a big difference, very big difference. In the New Testament, we see an example of the prodigal son. Most of you have heard of this uh, parable of the prodigal son. The young man comes to his father and he says, uh, give me my inheritance. He felt like he needed his inheritance, didn't he? And in this example, the father gave him his inheritance. He went off and what did he do with it? Well, he wasn't ready for it. He wasn't mature enough for it. So he squandered it. And he came to his senses and he realized, you know, in my father's house, you're better off, the, the, his servants are better off than me because eventually he found himself eating the pods that they fed the pigs, if you remember this. And so he went back to his father's house and his father greeted him. He saw him from a long ways off. He was looking for his son because he loved his son. And, and he brought and put his cloak on him, gave him his ring. They killed the fatted calf because he was so happy that this son had returned. And so this is what was said in, in verse 30 of that chapter. It says, but as soon as this from his big brother that stayed there and been faithful, he says, but as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him and said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. You know, usually when we think about the prodigal son, we, we remember that God forgave that prodigal son. And we forget about the son that stayed and was faithful. And sometimes in families, <clears throat> we forget about the other kid. We forget about the fact that, yeah, such and such is misbehaving, but what about Billy over here? And see, so this son who had stayed and had been faithful, he was upset. And you, you all think, well, he shouldn't have been upset. He should have been happy that his brother came home. But do you realize there's two lessons in this parable? Absolutely greeting the prodigal with open arms and bring, restoring him back to where he needed to be was right. <clears throat> but the son needed to be loved too. 
And so, in this parable, the father represents God. And God says to him, all that I have is yours. You ever thought about it like that way? He loved both. Don't just pay too much attention to one over the other. That's exactly what happened. Jacob and Esau, the parents had favorites, and they, they chose up sides, and that resulted in some real conflict in history, if you think about it. And so we're, we're called to love our kids and to be there for all of them, to love them equally and care for them equally. Now, there are times where you have to put more emphasis on one child than the other. I understand that. That's the way it is. But don't forget the ones that are there as well. You know, if you get into all this psychology stuff, you know that little children have hard times. A lot of times. I was a baby in the family, so I had it great. <coughs> but middle children get ignored sometimes, right? That's really what happens. They're, they're, they get all infatuated with the first baby, and man, whoo. They get a lot of blessing, but sometimes those kids in the middle, they kind of get forgotten. Then the baby comes. Check out Berkeley sometime. <laughs> See if she doesn't get a little attention. <laughs> See, so there's, there's the two sides of the prodigal son. Love your kids, all of them. Pay attention to all of them. And give them advice when they need it. Now, uh, the second thing here is I think that a father who strives to live in the truth will honor the promises to give truth life. Pat brought that up about the idea of, you know, love your, their, their mom, take care of their mom, be there for their mom. <coughs> I, I believe this is very, very important to a family if the family is going to understand the love of God. And so we turn over to Ephesians uh, chapter 5. We're going to read Ephesians 5.22. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I'm not going to talk about that today, but it's just one of my favorite verses. <laughs> Glad you took it the way I meant it. <laughs> okay, then, then we go on. This is what we want to talk about here. Starting in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. To love your wives like that, like Christ loved the church, that, that's a pretty tough thing to do. See, Christ died for his bride, the church. And he calls us to do the same. And you, and you read on and it says that, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it, cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And I know that um, oftentimes as, as dads, we fail to do that. I know I do be concerned about my wife and her well-being. Even at my age and with kids my age, sometimes that happens. Never stop being a dad, you know that? You never stop dealing with problems with your kids and going through heartache with your children. It just happens. 
because life happens. Part of life is to experience some things that are pretty tough. And so you weep with them. When they when they weep, part and parcel, you weep with them. And you minister to them. And your heart breaks for them. Because remember to have the same concern for your wife. Then it goes on in here and says, Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. See, we're called to take care of the mother our children. That's a job that dads need to do. Love your wife as much as you love yourself. When she hurts, you hurt. Her body is your flesh. And I'll tell you that that's when you think of it like that, you realize how tight that bond is supposed to be. You realize how important it is for you to love your wife. Losing her is just like losing part of yourself. That's what it would mean. Then it goes on in Ephesians and it says, uh, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That is a mystery to the world, isn't it? That, that a man and a woman could love each other, that they could stay with one another, that they could forgive one another, that they could go through thick and thin together. Uh, the world teaches the opposite of what God teaches about marriage. God teaches that a wife fulfills her husband, a husband fulfills her. That's exactly what happened in Genesis. Eve was created for Adam. There was no other help me that, that they could find other than her. The, bio, the word, the world doesn't teach it that way. The world teaches kind of like what we saw in the video. You know, hands-off parenting. They're smart enough to take care of themselves. I remember years ago, we went out calling for the bus route. We were going to have a bus route, brought kids into Sunday school. And I was just a young Christian. I'd, I'd been a Christian just a matter of months. And we'd go door to door and talk to people and see if they'd send their kids. I remember sitting in this one couple's family's room, front room, and, and uh, we were talking. And we said, well, would you like to send your child to Sunday school on the bus? I think the child was four years old. And uh, I can't remember if it was the mom or the dad, but they turned to the child and they said, well, would you want to go to Sunday school? So it's totally up to her or him to decide whether he wanted to do what he wanted to do at four years old. Dads, don't be that naive. They're not ready to make those decisions at four years old. They're not ready to make those decisions at 16 years old. Sometimes you wonder if they're ready to make those decisions at 40 years old. There's, my girls aren't here yet, so I can say all that. But the, the point is, is that we're the parents you're the dad. 
Make sure you're telling them what's right. Of course, that was tongue-in-cheek. Everything he said is the opposite of what Dad say, obviously, in that video. But, but uh, it's more real than you might believe how some guys think about being a dad. Last point I want to make here, and I'll make it quickly, is that the father who strives to live in the truth teaches his children to do the same. The most important thing that you can teach your children is to tell the truth. And sometimes we forget this. We read on in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. How do they learn to honor their father and their mother? They need to be taught that. They don't just learn that on their own. But sometimes in the process of teaching things, especially men, I'm talking to you, talking to me on Father's Day, sometimes we get caught up in, in who we are and what we stand for to the point that we overdo it. And, and here it says, and fathers, in verse 4, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Sometimes we can overdo it, can't we, Dad? I, I can't tell you how many men have told me over their lives that, that they could never do anything right in the eyes of their father. Anything they did, their father said they could have done it better, they could have been smarter, they could have acted in a, in a more grown-up way or whatever. They just felt, they felt like they were always being put down by their dad instead of being encouraged and motivated to go forward. It's do not exasperate your children. Do not cause them to become embittered. You hear about it in the sports world all the time where somebody has been, their whole life has been dedicated to being a professional football player or whatever, and, and they lose sight of who they are. And you can think of a number of examples where men have went into the NFL and they couldn't make it in the NFL. They were good enough as football players, but they weren't good enough as people because they'd never been taught that there's something valuable. And so men, make sure that you teach your children that they have value. There's a book I read years ago. It's called Man of Steel and Velvet. It's about Jesus Christ. I think it's one of the best definitions or descriptions of Christ I've ever heard. A man of steel and velvet. And if you look at Christ, man, he knew when to stand up. And he knew when to speak up. But he also knew when to be kind, to be soft, and to be gentle. And so, men, we need to be consistent in how we treat our children. We need to be be consistent in our disciple or in our discipline, excuse me. We need to be consistent in our faith. And we need to practice the things that are the truth. The word aletheia means truth. And it really means a number of things. No concealing. There's no things hidden. And one of the ways that it was described was that truth respects God's purpose. Truth respects God's purposes. It may 
makes us take on the duties that we have as parents if we're going to really walk with Jesus. It makes us stand against false teaching in the world and also in the church. And the best thing that we can do is to teach our children to be like that. Because we live in an age when everything's being challenged. The beliefs of the church are being challenged. The beliefs of our nation are being challenged. And if you as a father don't teach your child to stand up for truth, then we will fail and we will let our kids down. And how do we do this? Well, we're consistent in faith. It's not just that we go to church on Sunday. It's that we take Christ with us everywhere we go, every day, without exception. We consider him first, and we seek to know his truth in every situation we find ourselves in. So if you want to be a father who seeks to live in the truth, you need to honor your promises, your word. You need to teach your children to do the same. And you need to love your wife. God bless you. team comes. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song, I pray that uh, if you have not connected with your Heavenly Father, you need to surrender that part of your life so you can